0: Welcome to First Baptist Church, Vernon, where we are going through the Sermon on the Mount. My name is Randy Hamm, I'm one of the pastors here, and I invite you to enter into this next sermon, the second in our series, as we look at the next three set of blesseds. So join Cheryl as she reads our scripture for us.
1: like to invite you deeper into the story of jesus from matthew 4 and 5. then jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil after 40 days and 40 nights he was hungry the tempter came to him and said if you are the son of god tell these stones to become bread jesus answered it is written man shall not live on bread alone but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. This is the word of the Lord, and thanks be to God for it, amen.
0: Thanks again for joining in this service. I know we all long to be back together again, and we will as soon as we can, uh, as we can can do that safely. Now, speaking of longings, I know throughout this time, and maybe you've heard, as some of us have longings, that uh, we tend to satisfy those by uh, our hunger and thirst. Maybe you've heard of the quarantine 19. Can I see a show of hands? Well, look at that. I don't see any. Of course I don't. But uh, during this time has been that documented time where people have satisfied their hunger and thirst in a variety of ways. And I know that we have a deeper longing, a deeper hunger, and that's what we're going to be talking about today when we turn to the Word of God, which is where we need to go with our deepest hungers and longings isn't it true now some of you maybe are here and maybe you're new because of a sense of longing and wanting to come to church or come back to church or to youtube in this in this day and age and search this out well you are welcome here as well and we'd love for you to join us on this journey as we go into the sermon of the mount as we look to jesus the living word. So let's pray. Lord, we ask that you, once again, would speak to us as the living word, through your word, and that you would open up our hearts, that we could examine our deepest longings, our hunger and our thirst, and seek to have them satisfied in you and you alone. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Well, We are continuing on our Sermon on the Mount series, and you can turn with me to Matthew 5. If you haven't yet, you saw that Cheryl read a little bit from chapter 4 as well. When we look into Matthew, and the reason I had Cheryl read from a little bit of chapter 4, is that Matthew has laid this out very intently, very clearly. Matthew knew what he was doing. He doesn't come into the picture till chapter 9. But he goes back and he researches and he finds out what had gone on before he was on the scene and he lays that out in his gospel or his good news story for us and he's very intentional he goes all the way back it's literally if you start at the beginning of matthew to abraham showing the line of jesus goes all the way back to abraham and then that there's this time when jesus is a baby and he spends time in egypt And then he talks about his baptism passing through the waters and then his 40 days in the desert. Now, does any of this sound familiar? Yeah. Matthew is showing us that Jesus has reenacted the Exodus story. That he is showing himself to be in a similar picture to Moses. Not only is he similar, he's the new and better Moses with the true Exodus for the people of God. And so when people were sitting there in that mount, some of them might have seen it and understood and it must have been electric. But especially as people read his document to the Jewish readers, this would be clear that Jesus is doing something new. And now what happened after the Exodus with Moses? What did Moses do? He went up on the mountain to receive the law from God. And here, what does Jesus do? He goes up on the mountain. But this time, he's not receiving a covenant from God. He is offering a new covenant. He is giving them a covenant of his kingdom absolutely incredible it's a little bit mind-blowing when you think about it when you put this together and see that he's offering this new covenant for us now here's a couple pictures of that hill that carl and doris took when they were there just a couple years ago i wanted you to see that it's pretty cool complete with a church right up there the church of the beatitudes Well, and it's beatitudes because of the latin for blessed which is beatus and so it became beatitudes. That might stick more than the blesseds. No matter how many times I say blesseds, so the first of the blesseds that we looked at last week showed that Jesus, in this manifesto in his uh, new covenant of his kingdom, is clearly saying the people in this kingdom uh, are going to be people that you didn't think were going to be in. It's the poor in spirit, the 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 meek. It's the those who mourn these people are included and if that's you you can be in Jesus' kingdom as well we are all invited to be a part of it those would have been a surprise and a really incredible intriguing invitation for people their minds each time would have just been like what what is he saying it's like the tv show the chosen has jesus saying get used to different and he's definitely showing that this is a different kingdom and these next three blessed If the first three were blessed to be broken. These, these continue on, but they take a turn. Maybe blessed to be a blessing would be a better way to say it. So let's take a look at the first one. Blessed are those who, and again, maybe they are on the edge of their seat. What would he say next? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness is what he says. What in the world? What? Did Jesus just make a big turn here? And now he's like, oh yeah, the Pharisees, they're the cream of the crop. And Maybe some people would think that. We would tend to think that. But we have to consider what the word righteousness meant for them in their day. And the word here is dikaiosune. That's the Greek word. And it's a special word. And it would be understood in a few different ways. So we're going to take a look at three. Number one, in a legal way. This word means right right living and being in a right relationship with someone the chaos would be you're in a right relationship and obviously here with scripture we're talking about being in a right relationship with god and blessed are those who hunger and thirst well jesus would say that because who is in a right relationship with god these people knew they weren't they have been in exile the temple was rebuilt but god's presence did not come back to that They knew that they were not and they longed for that they were hungry and thirsty for that right relationship with god the message translation says it like this you're blessed when you've worked up a good appetite for god he's food and drink in the best meal you'll ever eat yeah they knew that they weren't in that right relationship they weren't sure how to be they longed for it a legal right relationship secondly a moral way That means living out righteously in a right way in personal conduct and character in line with God's law and character, pious and holy life. And yeah, this would be what the Pharisees were trying. And this was the main way that I understood righteousness growing up. And usually it was with a fair amount of shame and guilt when I wasn't measuring up. There wasn't a, a loving invitation and It could be motivating to be good, but rarely drew me into that deeper love and right relationship with which Jesus went to the cross to make a way for. Well, yes, there's definitely times where we all need some encouragement to do the right thing. But I think Jesus was getting at something even deeper with this, because there is a third way That righteousness is understood in Hebrew thought, and that is a social way of justice. That when we see the righteousness of God not being lived out around us, that people are not treating each other rightly or righteously or with justice. And you may have experienced this personally. I mean, if you've experienced abuse or trauma, that there is a longing for things to be made right within you and with others. And remember how the minor prophets always called the people of God back to two things? Number one, back to the true worship of God, for they were, kept being involved in idolatry, worshiping others. And they would call them back to that right relationship or righteousness. But the other thing was justice, for they kept treating people with injustice, and the prophets kept calling them back. To live rightly, righteously in their world. Now, the the kaiosune encompasses both these aspects. In the Hebrew, there's two different words for righteousness and justice. In the Greek, there isn't. And this one word encompasses both of these aspects. God's righteous character and the resulting justice that is expected in this world from that righteousness. So when Jesus says, all those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, we will often think of that holiness, of that living rightly. But their initial thought may have been for justice. Oh, yes. Yes, we have been under the thumb of Rome. And before that, Greece and Persia and Babylon and Assyria and Egypt. Lord, save us. Hosanna, save us. They have not been treated justly for years and they were longing to have that power and that mistreatment broken and here is this potential savior messiah a king they're longing for one to come and deal out justice and the righteousness of god and here's this man saying if you hunger and thirst for dikai sune you will be filled or satisfied. It can be translated satisfied. The son of righteousness with healing in his wings, remember that from Malachi, our Easter service? The, another way to translate that would be the son of vindication. And that there's a sense of justice and righteousness that is coming, a right living in the world, not just holiness, not just a personal piety. And these people were hungry for that. And we see that same hunger today, don't we? We see it living out in Minnesota, in the trial of George Floyd, the recent killing of Dante Wright. And the Jews would have been in a similar situation as black, indigenous, and people of color in our day and age, where they were marginalized and mistreated at every turn. Baptist theologian John Olley defines righteousness in this way, to bring about right and harmony for all, for individuals related in the community and to the physical and spiritual realms. It finds its basis in God's rule of the world. John, the dearly beloved disciple of Jesus, and he wrote his letters, 1 John 3 says this, Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. As God's people today, we can't be blind to the amounts of injustice that are out there, whether it's our local indigenous neighbors and how they've been treated for centuries, to uh, Asian American and Canadian violence, to hunger and thirst after righteousness is to let God's spirit move in our hearts and then to learn next steps i want you to hear how job describes righteousness in chapter 29 yeah job who knew he says this for for verse 14 i put on righteousness as my clothing justice was my robe and my turban i was eyes to the blind and feet to the lame i was a father to the needy i took up the case of the stranger I broke the fangs of the wicked and snatched the victims from their teeth. Isn't that incredible? Job's Justice League with the catchphrase, breaking fangs. Yeah, there are people that are mistreated and we can do something about it. One of my favorite uh, professors from Regent Bruce Waltke says the righteous are willing to disadvantage themselves to advantage the community. The wicked are willing to disadvantage the community, to advantage themselves. That's how he, in his study of that word. Now there's a bit of a debate out there. Is Jesus about holiness or is he about justice? I think it's a mute debate because, of course, he is about both. Do we hunger and thirst for righteousness? Well, Jesus says we're blessed if we do longing for that right relationship with god living that out in a holy life doing the right thing do we long for god's justice for the marginalized and the mistreated that's part of it too jesus says that all who do will be filled will be satisfied of course jesus knew that he was going to be the ultimate fulfillment for righteousness and all these things as paul writes Romans 10, four for Christ is the fulfillment of the law for the righteousness of everyone who believes only in Jesus. Can we have that right relationship with God because of what he's done for us? And only by following Jesus empowered by his spirit, can we truly live in love and truth living righteously and only by being the hands of feet of Jesus, Can we see a righteous justice for the abused and the oppressed? Now, in case, I think maybe in case some are tempted to take spiritual hunger, the hunger and thirst of righteousness here only as spiritual, Jesus adds the next one here, the next blessed. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. As we saw throughout the Minor Prophets, Hosea 6.6, in particular the lord clearly states god desiring mercy not sacrifice in micah 6 8 what do we read there what are we to do we're to act justly with justice to love mercy and to be walking humbly with our god now this isn't new news but jesus is clarifying what it looks like in his kingdom because it hadn't been looking like that for them So, what does it mean to be merciful well i see you do this all the time to feel sympathy with someone in affliction and to understand the misery of another but it doesn't stop there we take that next step of picking up the phone of acting on it encouraging someone of seeing someone on the street and saying hey chuck i want to help with your ministry Knowing that someone's gone to the hospital and calling a pastor or grace and saying, Hey, someone's there. Can you visit them and bless them? Take this to them. This will encourage them to, to recognizing those who are oppressed and mistreated in our society and saying, what can we do to be an advocate to see change for this is at a personal level, but it can be at a systemic level as well. And our job i love this quote this is one of pastor laurie's favorites from thomas merton our job is to love others without stopping to inquire whether or not they are worthy god's love is for all his mercy is for all in fact i think maybe jesus is saying here offering a deeper challenge knowing that to truly extend that mercy to others we need to understand and live in a constant state of the mercy that god extends to us you're blessed when you care eugene peterson writes at the moment of being careful you are you find yourselves cared for i love it all right the sixth the sixth blessed our final one today as blessed are the pure in heart, with the biggest promise of all of them, they will see God. You Remember, these people have been longing to see God. The, the word means to experience one's presence, to be in the presence of another. Now, are you encouraged by that? The pure in heart? Uh, hunger and thirsting after righteousness? That I can do. Um mercy i can show mercy i could probably get better at it but but being pure this idea of innocent completely clean without any corrupt desire can i see a show of hands again of who has that yeah i don't see any well and again obviously i don't see any but we know that we are not pure uh solomon king solomon says in proverbs 20 who can say i have kept my heart pure I am clean and without sin. No. Oh. The well, best we can say is, well, I'm cleaner than some. Eh? Yeah. And this isn't just about living a pure life on the outside. Jesus puts the Pharisees to task on this using the exact same word. In Matthew 23, when he says, blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside will be clean. Clean the inside. Now, this word, uh, it's, a, it's a unique Greek word, one that you might have heard of before. How well do you know your Greek? Catharos. Does it have a familiar ring to it? It's the word we get cathartic or catharsis from, which is experiencing a purging or cleansing of heartfelt trauma or emotion through a certain practice or art form. So we might watch a movie and say, well, that was really cathartic help me deal with some stuff inside and this is about being pure purity but not from the start it's about being purified by a cleansing by fire purging or pruning the word can mean all of those things a, a cleansing a purity that comes as a result of action john the baptist told people that jesus would baptize with the holy spirit and with fire Matthew 3. Malachi speaks of the Messiah as being like a refiner's fire, if you remember Malachi 3. And Jesus himself says, John 15, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. And he says this to his disciples, you are already clean, because of the word i have spoken to you katharos one bible dictionary defines it like a vine cleansed by pruning and so fitted to bear fruit you want to live righteously you want to live as we're meant to in this world as we were created to well we'll have to go through some katharos through some cleansing the message says this verse like this you're blessed when you get your inside world your mind and your heart put right then you can see god in the outside world well thankfully jesus jesus came to be that katharos to cleanse to wash to purge to refine to prune us so that we could be clean he did that by dying on the cross for us paying our price enabling us to be washed clean and then to live out that mercy that he offers us in our day to day. jesus kingdom is one that will last forever we have a wonderful hope for this life and the next But his kingdom as he announced it then on that hill it starts here and he invites us to live that out not just waiting for heaven but to live out heaven here on earth and to live that out not worried if we're doing enough if we're righteous enough because we get to live that out by his grace the grace of jesus in our lives offered freely to us inviting us to join jesus join him in his work for the good of this earth and for the benefit of all on it so pray with me and then we're going to sing about that grace that jesus offers lord we are so thankful i just like the the people that were on that mount that day We, too, hunger and thirst for righteousness, for being in a right relationship with you, the only thing that will fill that hole in us, for living out that that righteousness, that to live as we were meant to live, not holier-than-thou attitudes, but right living in mercy and love and also seeing your justice, things being made right in this world. We have a longing for that, to be a people of mercy. And Lord, we know in order to do that, we need your cleansing, your purity, your katharos in our lives. So move in us to be your people in this world. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen for our closing blessing and benediction, I invite you to open your hands once again for this. May you go from this service knowing that the Son of Righteousness is in your wings, that you can live out this life with the mercy and grace of our Lord for righteousness and justice. Go in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.